Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. The James E. Walker Library welcomes Kathleen Schmand as its new dean. Schmand comes to MTSU from Northern Arizona University, where she has been Director of Development and Communications for the library. She has a bachelor's degree from the University of Southern California, a master's degree from the University of Pittsburgh, and a master's degree from Northern Arizona University. We'll get to meet MTSU's newest dean after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Dozens of area health care workers and first responders, including about 15 MTSU health services and pharmacy staff members, received the first round of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine on December 23rd at the Siegel High School gym in Murfreesboro. Those vaccinations are believed to be some of the first administered in Rutherford County. MTSU pharmacist Tabby Raglan called it a positive experience. She said once inside the gym, participants registered, completed forms, and signed an agreement to receive the vaccine. Officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department provided security and screened participants, making sure they qualified to get the vaccine. In all, about 40 MTSU Health Services staff have chosen to receive the vaccine. And the writing is on the wall at the James E. Walker Library, and it pays tribute to a devoted supporter. Michael Humnicki, a former engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California, is the first donor to have a study room in the library named in his honor. For the past eight years, the 73-year-old retiree has given generous amounts of both books and money to the library. Although he once lived across the street from MTSU, he never taught there or attended classes there. However, the more he visited the library, the more he fell in love with the institution. Humnicki comes by his love of libraries naturally. His father had a degree in library science, his mother was a medical librarian at Indiana University, and his aunt was the head pharmacy librarian at Purdue University. While Humnicki himself earned degrees in physics and economics at Purdue, he decided to obtain a master's degree in library science at Indiana University after he was laid off in the mid-1990s. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Mishman, welcome. Thank you for being on the program, and congratulations. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this move to MTSU. Uh, tell us a little about your background in academia. So um, I've worked pretty much uh, through my entire college career. So as a Undergraduate student at USC, I worked in the libraries all four years I was there and then took a staff position in the libraries uh, just after that. Then I moved to uh, the University of Pittsburgh to do my master's degree in 1995. And while I was doing that, I also worked as a student at the University of Pittsburgh libraries. And then um, NAU was my first uh, professional position out of graduate school. And so I started here in October of 1996. And I started as the shared resources um, uh, document delivery librarian and ran a unit there, then kind of progressed through a whole variety of positions and did everything from uh, an access services department head um, to associate dean uh, interim positions two or three times. And then I was appointed um, Director of Development and Communications through different titles starting in 2006. 
and I've done that um, off and on in between other um, appointments. And so, um, and then in 2015, I decided to go back and get my um, second master's degree. Uh, what attracted you to libraries in the first place? Did it did your love of libraries begin in childhood, or did it start in academia? Well, like many librarians, yes, I, I was a frequent um, visitor to the local public library. Um, it was right next to the local pool, so I could go and, and do my swimming and then end up at the uh, library to get my books. A very avid reader. Both my parents were teachers, so my mother was a high school history teacher. My father was a high school history teacher as well as a vice principal, but he was also an antiquarian book dealer. So grew up with lots of historical artifacts in the house, letters and uh, photographs, uh, diaries, stories, you name it. And um, my younger brother went into the book dealing business, uh, but he also works for the National, he worked for the National Park Service, but now the Bureau of Land Management. And, uh, but it's just been a love of mine um, <clears throat> since I was a kid. And Originally, when I started at the University of Southern California, um, I have an affinity for languages. So I was going to go into the CIA and be a spy. It didn't kind of work out for me. I got a job at the uh, library there and I was hooked. Uh, I just loved the people, how the information was organized, um, what it meant to make sure that people had the right information. So um, that kept me in libraries um, from pretty much 1987 till today. What attracted you to the job opening at MTSU? I really wanted an institution that was somewhat similar, had similar characteristics to NAU, um, about 30,000 students, um, but a very strong focus on student success. And um, I'd heard things were um, beautiful in that part of the country. But, um, and I previously knew the Dean Bonnie Allen um, through another national organization, and I'd met her several times. And, but my father in 1995 made the decision to move to Murfreesboro. And he did it because he was a Navy veteran and you all have the Veterans Hospital and Veterans Home there. And he was really wanted to check it out. He was also um, a Civil War um, expert. So he ended up um, moving there for six months. And while I was at Pittsburgh uh, for graduate school, he flew me down for Thanksgiving and drove me around the area. We visited Franklin and all over Murfreesboro. Mm -hmm. And we, he drove me, wanted to say, you got to see this university. It's right here. And he says, you could get a job after you get your degree at Middle Tennessee State University. And um, both my parents have passed on, but um, I know he would be so excited to see that I've circled back around and now landed at MTSU for um, a new position and particularly a position as Dean. So it was kind of a, a fun connection to have to the institution. We'll take a break right here. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. 
The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Kathleen Schman is the new dean of the James E. Walker Library here at MTSU. She comes to us from Northern Arizona University. Ms. Schman, the role of libraries has changed so much in recent years. How do you see the role of the library as an institution changing and expanding in the future? In order to kind of keep the momentum of libraries and how we're delivering and managing information, we have to change. Um, it is, it's one of those um, institutions that just can't stay the same because people are using information differently. It's being produced at much more significant rates than it has in the past. Much of it is digitally created versus simply printed, even though really uh, publishers are still printing quite a bit of information. But you have it in a a variety of uh, formats and um, delivery methods in ways that never existed previously. And part of our job in a library is to recognize that, um, keep moving forward, understanding how we can make sure that people can uh, access the information. And I think that's one of the keys is you know, you get hundreds and millions of articles if you just Google a particular topic. And how do you know what's relevant? How do you know what's authentic, what's correct and factual versus not? And libraries have a tremendous opportunity and responsibility, I think, to help guide the user on how to navigate that world of information because it just seems to keep increasing. Yeah. um, What is the key to uh, establishing the credibility, guiding the user being, uh, I don't want to say a a filter because the librarian doesn't want to tell the user what to do, but what is the key to separating the wheat from the chaff? Because as you know, there's a great deal of misinformation out there. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, there is a ton. And it's a very hot topic across libraries and librarians. And I think Um, Many people are still struggling trying to figure out how do you do that. Um, It used to be you could simply go to the source of the information. So was it the New York Post or the the Washington Post, which would be considered a more um, authoritative um, producer of the content? That's getting uh, to be a little more in the gray area and harder to determine. So really you double check and make sure that is the information The same um, across multiple platforms. Are there multiple authoritative sources of what you're finding? The librarians are doing a great job as far as trying to pull um, some of those guiding criteria together. Um, Reference librarians are essential um, in how they work and assist users to navigate that. Um, When I uh, am looking for something, I typically want to verify that it's been in multiple sources, Uh, verified and evaluated sources, um, that um, it can be backed up in in a variety of ways. Um, And is there research, you know, depending on what it is that you're looking at to tell you, 
the truth about um, the validity of that information. So it is definitely a challenge right now as you know, anybody on the street and anybody with an internet account can kind of go out and, and write and say anything you want, but you have to, to do your research. You really have to kind of look behind um, the initial face of the post to say, who's saying this? Are other people saying this? And, and does it make sense? One issue that college librarians are facing right now, as you know, is the high cost of textbooks, especially for freshmen, mm -hmm. by providing access to textbooks. Mm -hmm. uh, do you see expanding that service going forward? Yeah, I, I really think it is an important initiative for students. The cost of higher education has only increased um, over the years. Um, I think institutions are trying to recognize that fact. Um, I understand that there is a um, what they call an open educational resource program in place at MTSU. So I look forward to finding out more, um, you know, which faculty are taking advantage of those open access materials to provide no cost or low cost resources to students. Um, here at NAU, I recently um, helped launch a fundraising project for um, uh, student textbooks and we have um, four or five colleges across the institution. So we chose our social and behavioral sciences college and our um, health and human services college. And we were able to identify individuals that may be interested in supporting this project and put a call out um, and set up a crowdfunding project. We've raised just over $6,000 for it so far, but it will allow us to go and buy one-time purchases of electronic textbooks that are currently in use in any of the courses. So, you know, you might impact 100, 200, 300 or more students that might be in the course and take advantage of providing them access, unlimited access or, or even a limited use license provides um, some type of free access for students um, so that they don't have to go and spend anywhere from you know 400 to 800 dollars a semester or a year on textbook materials they just um since 2006 textbook materials have increased over 190 percent they've gotten a little bit better in the last couple of years but it is by no means where it needs to be for students since you have such a background in development you mentioned fundraising what do you think is the most important thing to know about selling potential donors on uh, contributing or to or supporting an academic library? You know, um, for, I think one of the fun facts that I learned in previous years is that while there are no graduates of an academic library, everyone graduates using the library. And, and the reality is that the library has hopefully assisted and supported every student that comes through the institution in one way or another, whether it was a study space, um, access to technology, um, online resources, journal articles, books, um, a variety of programs and services uh, that may be there. And so thinking about what that meant to them and what um, impact the library can continue to have on future students and is that something that the donor considers a worthwhile initiative for many of those that I work with the library played a really important part in their success 
um, in their education at the institution. And it affects and supports every other student uh, at the institution. So they really can have a broad impact with any gift that they make. And that's one of the, the most important pieces. It really is about the donor and the impact they wanna have and what they wanna support. So certain programs speak to individual interests such as technology or virtual reality versus I wanna buy books um, for the collection. And so you work with those individual donors to find the right match or fit, if you will, um, for how they could best support and impact the experience of students on the campus. When you're talking about donating to an academic library, is it a, a niche audience for a development person or can you convince the general public that this is also something in which they should have a stake? You know, I, I think it depends on the relationship with the academic um, library and the community. I would say yes. We've got a lot of people that would be considered friends to the institution that have made gifts of support to the library. Most have gone to our special collections and archives because it's very regionally focused. It's accessible to everyone. Um, and it's got topics um, of historical value to the local community in many ways. So as we add programming and we develop services that are more um, user community friendly, then that makes a big difference. It makes a big difference in being able to support the community at the right level, and then they will take advantage and, and pay it back as, as they go forward. So it's a nice partnership. Time for another break. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte Gross, WISE advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Kathleen Schmand, Dean of the James E. Walker Library here at MTSU. Uh, Northern Arizona's Klein Library has a makerspace type area, as does MTSU's Walker Library. What do you see as the future for those learning spaces? We have to monitor and see what happens with 3D printing, but the modes of printing and delivery are getting more sophisticated all the time. Um, I mean, people are building houses using mm -hmm. concrete blocks that they've 3D printed. Um, we, uh, my husband's a big car person, so we just looked, at, watched a show where they were printing um, 3D printed car parts for a historic Corvette that there, somebody was renovating. Um, so I think there's incredible possibilities with that type of technology. Um, I think there's also growth now in an area that's been a little slow to advance and that's in the uh, virtual reality and augmented reality, what's called XR technologies. It's kind of combining those into a, 
um, a, a single experience, if you will. And so I think it's important that we monitor and, and keep an eye on where those technologies are going, what the opportunities are for the classroom, for the learning experience of the student. Does it enable them to kind of experience and explore things that they might not otherwise be able to do? How do you feel about how libraries in general have lightened up, as it were, with relaxed rules on beverages and rooms where people can feel free to talk instead of being told to shh all the time? Oh, well, I, I'm very supportive of that. I tend to be a, a um, oh, I got a good laugh. And uh, when I worked at the USC libraries, I remember the dean um, saying, who's the one with the laugh? Because he could hear me uh, at Echo down the three flights of stairs from where my <laughs> office was into the dean's office. And so, um, but it, it creates, um, a comfort for the students who want to come in and they're not trying to work uh, and study eight hours with any type of sustenance you know this gives them a chance to feel like they can keep their energy going and stay healthy and and do what they need to do in order to kind of um, finish their assignments and and um, do that so i think it's understanding the building use what students um, want and where they want to be and kind of what's important for the space to manage it. Uh, how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected library service in Northern Arizona? Many, many um, libraries shut down. I know MTSU um, shut their library. Um, there are just over 22,000 students that um, attend the Flagstaff campus for classes. And um, because of that, and also a large international student population, the president felt very strongly about keeping um, the library open. So um, initially we stayed open 24 hours like we had been and then realized we just, we couldn't sustain that um, and also um, make sure that staff felt safe and could um, uh, work remotely if that's what they needed to do. So um, working with my colleagues, we found ways to um, limit the number of staff that had to be in the building. We reduced uh, building hours. Um, we expanded our service desk so there was a good six feet of distance between uh, the desk and staff and people needing to check out materials. But it was so important for us to continue to be able to provide access to computers, access to wireless, the resources, and just the general support. We, we stayed open. And so um, we ended up, um, I literally stepped in and I was staffing the service desk um, for four to eight hours a week um, during the month of April and, and into May. And then even this fall, I had about a four hour shift one day a week where I worked the service desk again to help manage so students, so others that were not comfortable working in the building could work remotely and we can manage um, schedules and shift to single staffing and doing some creative scheduling at that point. Um, but we had so many appreciative comments from faculty and students about, about that. Um, uh, it felt good at least that we knew that we were helping um, the students and the faculty finish up their semester. Did your website metrics go crazy? Did you get a lot more clicks? Um, you know, um, not as much as you would think, but yes, I mean, some of the resources, the, the, all that went up, 
the number of chats that we got um, increased tremendously and the librarians were doing a lot more online one-on-one -on -one, um, and instruction support for um, both faculty and, and students over the course of that, the end of that semester and even into the fall semester. Um, certainly our building numbers were no, nowhere near what they are normally are, but um, we definitely saw more online um, use of all of our resources. So uh, as soon as I was offered the position, we, um, we started doing some things um, we, uh, we needed to get some things finished in our house to get it up on the market. Um, we'll still have some logistics, but, um, and then we're hoping to, to buy pretty quickly. So we'll, we'll kind of figure out what that looks like longer term. Well, the, uh, the gurus over at the MTSU College of Business issued a report saying that the real estate market in Tennessee looks really good right now. So right. maybe that will maybe be helpful to you and your husband as you look for a place to settle down here. I'm, I'm optimistic. We keep finding um, a few houses that he's like, oh, I wish we could put an offer, but I've got a great real estate agent that was referred to me by a, a colleague at MTSU. So I'm really thankful for that. And he's been great. So. Well, I've been really enjoyed talking with you and I look forward to meeting you in person with the appropriate masks and social distancing oh, and, and such. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Kathleen Schman, the new Dean of the James E. Walker Library. Thank you for joining us on MTSU on the Record. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERRA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERRA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to Terra, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. MTSU's Aerospace Department has joined the Federal Aviation Administration's Unmanned Aircraft Systems Collegiate Training Initiative. The program recognizes institutions preparing students for careers in unmanned aircraft, commonly called drones. Assistant Professor Kevin Corms shares more. This FAA-UAS Collegiate Training Initiative, actually we have a long history with this, so we've been part of the Air Traffic Control CTI program since 1997. So this is continuing that tradition with the ability to uh, provide our students with the most up-to-date technology uh, information from the FAA. Now, this also allows us to become a partner with the FAA and have some input on the direction of the unmanned aircraft systems integration in the national airspace here in the United States. So this, this will give our students an advantage by being recognized as a UAS CTI graduate from our program, which will distinguish them from other schools. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. 
Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.